podcast. I'm Donovan, and right in front of me is Roy. Fresh back from spring training. Fresh. What a great weekend. Oh, I'm still coming down from the just emotional excitement. I mean, there was everything was just perfect. The weather was great. The it weather was, was yeah. Fantastic. I'm I'm used to it being hot, like uncomfortably hot out there. And it did get warm at a couple of the games, but it was it was cool. It wasn't like unbearably hot. The first couple of evenings we were there, it was actually cold sitting in the stands, which is doesn't usually happen out there. But I'm also grateful that we had clear skies because it's been raining and all this stuff the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the, the first three weeks of spring training has been rainy, crappy, cruddy. Yeah, and in fact, we we ran into Tom Cosgrove out there, and he was telling us about that, that, yeah, we had rain and hail, and they had to cancel workouts and all of this. I mean, these guys, they get out there, they want to get going, yeah. and then, what, you, you're there for a couple hours, and then, okay, everybody back inside, and what, you just go lift weights and... Well, and that's a good point. <laughs> like People say that spring training takes too long, but for some of the minor league guys, like, they need... They need to continue to build up arm strength. They need to continue to get their innings in. There's only mm-hmm. so many mounds. There's only and there's 200 people. There's 200 minor league guys in camp. There were more than that. I thought I saw like 134 pitchers. Yeah. I, yeah. And there's maybe 10 mounds in the whole thing. You know, with with the major league side and then the minor league side, the little uh, in between five and six right there. Yeah, they um, got a couple of bullpens and then. So, but for pitchers. It's not like they just show up and they're able to go full speed. It takes them some time to work their velocity back up. When they come into camp, they're probably five miles an hour slower than they will be once they get up to game speed, if you will. Yeah. So Uh, watching Robert Stock hit 101 in the game on Sunday – that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, being and being a a follower and listener of the the Try Harder podcast and watching the early struggles. Yeah. Going okay. Was last year a fluke? Yeah, no, he, it's he walked. He walked a bunch of guys. He walked a bunch of guys. Maybe last year was a fluke, and he did really well. Maybe this that's one year of shining. But then his last two appearances have been solid. Been solid, and uh, and he figured out how to try harder by one. By right, and, yeah. And last it, year was a hundred. Now he's one hundred and one. So Richard, the ball is in your court, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's get out with the episodes. First things first, batting leadoff. The uh, there were seventy one teams have now um, just gained are now participating in the Copa de División or the Fun Cup, uh, which is MILB's celebration of the Hispanic Latin cultures and values that resonate with the participating teams, and they announced their names. So last year, the San Antonio Missions became the Flying Chanclas. Chanclas which is a sandal. And I, I don't think any of the other teams changed their names. They, they just changed not. their colors for those games. Yeah. Uh, but in our system, it was only the Chanclas. And it's funny, real quick side note, um, the chef that, the the executive chef at my restaurant, um, I told him about the Copa de Division and what they were doing. And I'm like, and our team was called the Flank Chanclas. And he's like, yeah, the, a flying chunkla is why I am where I am today. Because like it, you, you get a sandal thrown at you, it's it's gonna hit you when you do things wrong. Um, <laughs> I thought that was really interesting, and I went through all the names with him. But uh, this year, the uh, we have the Margaritas de El Paso, and it and that's for the El Paso Chihuahuas or the Chihuahuas. So I saw in their write up they claimed that somebody in El Paso invented the margarita. And I found that interesting because I've always read that it was a bar that was down in like Tijuana or somewhere in that area. So there's a little subtext of, wait, who really owns the margarita? But anyway, so the margaritas de El Paso. 
which uh, represents El Paso's welcoming culture, its soul, and the good times associated with the city and the team. The Cadejos de Lake Elsinore identity, the mythical wolf-like Cadejos, are recognized for having dual identities. Lake Elsinore will be will represent both the light and darkness uh, darkness on field this season. So I'm I'm fascinated by some of the mythical creatures in the Hispanic culture. Yeah. The chupacabra is one yeah. that's well known, but the the Cadejo I hadn't heard of that. But there's there's a white wolf and a black wolf, and the white one is good and it protects people. Yeah. So like the the drunk person that maybe maybe he, somebody could take advantage of him, the Cadejo would come and protect him. But then the black one you want to watch you want to watch out and you don't ever turn your back on him. And there's all these. These kind of legends that go around. Them. Legend, spiritual, um, mystical. Have you seen the logo? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's really cool. It's the wolf. It's a white. The one I saw was a blue cap with a white wolf, and the wolf had the storm eyes. Oh, yeah. It so, was really cool. So, and that's great for these. You know, it's great for this to blow up. And last year, the uh, the flying chocolates, I think, got really close to winning the whole dang thing. Um, but then that we were like, well, where the storm stuff? Where's Tri Cities? So. Tri-Cities is going to be the Viernos de Tri-Cities. It aims to honor and welcome the hardworking migrant agricultural workers for the profound impact on the region's wine industry. I didn't know Tri-Cities was a wine country. Oh, it's huge wine country. I didn't we, know that. Angela and I were just hanging out with an old friend of mine that was in town. They live in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is way up on the finger of Idaho. And they go west into eastern washington to go wine tasting and there's wine fields all over the place out there i didn't know i guess they have excellent terroir terroir that's the <laughs> you, you watch you watch the sam adams commercial right oh my god um so the vineros de tri-city that's and that one's cool because it's the guy it's the little guy with a hat carrying a big thing of a big thing of grapes yeah i love it i loved it last year um you know it was uh I love the designs. All the other 71 teams, they have these different intricate designs of the Eugene Emeralds. They're, um, they're in the Northwest League. And uh, you saw a tweet. You saw a tweet that they explained their their logo and why it has this markings here and why it has that there. Um, it represents something. So that's really interesting. And just recently, we've been given a grand permission to talk to uh, Jason from Brandios. From Brandios, yeah. And mid-April, so we're so going to talk to those guys. Brandios and- is the company that comes up with all the minor league logos and branding and a lot of the marketing stuff. Absolutely. And if you look at their website, they have stories for all these. Like They have the stories for El Paso. They have the stories for all these other teams from concept to, like, here's us. This is what we did when we went to the city. This is the kind of what we feel. Um, so I just started cracking out questions. Boom, 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 boom. What, you know, so it's going to be great talking to those guys. So can I give you my jaded opinion on the whole thing? Yeah. This is minor league baseball's attempt to appeal to a different demographic. And it's also a way to sell a whole bunch more merchandise. Well, I was going to say something to Brandy. I was like, you guys must be killing it right now. Oh, I'm sure they are. Everyone loves the stuff. Yeah. Um, I saw I saw a couple of flying chanclas hats while we were at spring training. Yeah, five point five Dan had a whole out like he had the hat and then he had <laughs> shorts and a shirt that he picked out to match the hat because it's like that that baby powder blue and the neon pink. Oh, who was I telling this in spring training? Uh, during Comic Con last year, someone came with a flying chancla. <laughs> and he was all painted up in some kind of weird outfit, but he had the flying chancla. I was like, yeah, that was their costume. That was a costume with a flying chancla. That's funny. Um. I, I love it because it is it is showing, you know, it's showing there's a diversity 
of 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 players in minor league baseball, and you, you can't lie, it's predominantly Latin players. Oh yeah, coming from you know South America, Central America, Caribbean, uh, you know Dominican Republic, all those places. And you know your trash pandas that doesn't represent any any kind of local you know, local flair, absolutely. But you know what I mean? It, it, it's just. I think it celebrates that. Yes. And, and it's a fun thing to do. It creates a huge interest in minor league baseball. And something that I wanted to talk, we'll talk about a little bit later on, is some of that merchandise should go to the players. But that's yeah. going to be another, it'll be another topic way down the line. So before we get off the topic of uh, team names and logos and stuff, uh, there was some big news coming out of Amarillo this week. Yeah. They unveiled their new mascot. Yes, Ruckus. Ruckus. Yeah. Ruckus is this adorable um, sod poodle, a, a prairie dog. A prairie dog. Wearing a cowboy hat and a bandana and and the, the, the gun belt, the holster, and um, he's got one tooth. He's a cute guy. Well, and did you see the picture with uh, Chris Paddock with the, uh, with the hat? No. Oh, dude, he, so he has – so I have the Amarillo hat. With just the head, with just the head of the side puddle with the, with a the granite or the little piece of uh, grass in his mouth. Yeah. I um, mean, he has the one where uh, Ruckus, now Ruckus, is uh-huh. standing there with a holster and he's in the ready to like grab a gun position. Okay. And then, so he, Chris Paddock's wearing that hat. Nice. And he's in the like that same position, like he's a cowboy or, a, you know, <laughs> getting ready to grab his guns. Uh, that was put on Twitter. Uh, it's just, I, I love it. I, 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 lo- I love. The new, I love the new name. I love the new mascot. Everything's fantastic. Everything's turning up Amarillo. Their ballpark is looking beautiful right now. They've yeah. got grass on the field and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I know what well, it wasn't even a month ago that they were putting but, seats down. No. And it gets cold in the panhandle too. Oh yeah. Um, but that you know, that, so that's pretty much the news of minor league baseball. What we wanted to do this episode is really kind of go through the process of how our weekend went of what we did. Uh, maybe a little bit of an insider's look into, uh, into what we did and how it took and what we did. Well, and it's not so much an insider's look. It's just now that we've done this a couple of times, this was my second spring training. And how many times have you been okay, there? To tons of times. Okay. But, but this is about the, the before I went thing. last year, I knew nothing, you know? So how do you, even as just a fan to walk out to the back lots you know, knowing what to look for and having an idea of what the schedule was and how to look up people's names and stuff. That was huge. Really huge. So the back lots open up at nine o'clock. There's a, there's a fence gate that they roll open. You know, one of the, they've got a bunch of, I think they're retired guys that volunteer. Yeah. That's really a diamond club thing. I think they talked about it during the game as oh, well. Okay. Yeah. That's what that was. So they're volunteers. They support the team and, um, and so they open the gate at nine o'clock. But before you go to the gate, what you want to do is uh, about a hundred yards to the right in the building. There's a double door. You go through that double door, and there's a receptionist there, nice lady, and there's a bunch of papers, stacks of papers that are on the desk there. So you grab one of each of those papers. One paper is the major league roster, and it's sorted alphabetically by number, by position. And you've got some information on the back. There's a pronunciation guide. There's the coaches at the bottom, and then there's a minor league roster. And you've got a couple hundred guys in camp. And so, and a lot of these guys are walking around without a name on their back. They just have a number. Yeah. So you see there's number 83 and you're going, man, who's that guy? 
or you see somebody in the outfield and you want to find out who it is. You can't read the words, but you can see what their number is. So you've got this reference in your pocket that tells you who that is. Well, and real quick on the major league roster, it has service time. Oh, yeah, that's right. The farthest one to the right was like Ian Kinsler, 13 years. Yeah, 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 that Ian Kinsler's 10 years older. <laughs> so it, that's the great thing about, and it's free. You walk in, you say uh, hello to the nice. The nice her, na- her name was Kim, Kim by the was, way. Same lady I saw last year. She was, Angela made friends with her. She was great. Um, so she, they also have schedules. Yeah. There's a major league schedule and a minor league schedule. And that tells you who's working out when, who's doing batting practice, who's doing bullpen. And for the minor league side, they have intra-squad games, and it tells you who's lined up to pitch. Yeah. So uh, Mackenzie Gore is going to pitch two innings. Dan Dallas is going to pitch one inning, you know, like that, and on what field. So that really kind of maps out your day right there to say, okay, well, I want to be at field three at 11 o'clock because Anderson Espinosa is going to be pitching, and oh, my God, he hasn't thrown to live batters in two years. Right, and none of us have seen him pitch. I don't think anyone other than – the guys in the organization and maybe someone that was in Fort Wayne had seen him pitch. So our first day there was incredible. Well, you got there late. We got, I got there like 10 o'clock. I got there like 10 o'clock. Yeah. When you already had pictures of yourself with your credential. Um, I went and got the credentials, grabbed all the little paperwork. I walked into the media room and said, Hey, JP Donovan, we're going to be, well, we'll see you later on. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I didn't realize until like two days later that I could have just went there and dropped off all my podcast stuff. Yeah. Like what I carry um, is about a, a suitcase full. The large carry-on has all our equipment in it. A laptop, a mixer, microphones. Headphones. And I could have just dropped it off there and not worried about it. But no, I lugged it in there. I lugged it out. And the next day I lugged it in there and lugged <laughs> it out. And actually like the last day, I'm like, oh, I'm going to turn it in. You know, just plop it in the media room. No one touches it because everyone works there for a living. Yes. And uh, and then walk away. So our first day, we go out there, and it's like you struck gold, like minor league gold, future, like the talent lava. Mackenzie Gore was at field three. Uh, Adrian Morhone, field four. Uh, Michelle Baez, field five. Like within 100 feet of each other, you yeah. got all these guys pitching. They were they were each starting intra squad games. Oh my god! And you know Mackenzie. And here's the thing about that is is Mackenzie was playing against the A and A and an A advanced guys. Adrian Morahone was where Philip Wellman was coaching was uh, was double A guys. And over there with Michelle Baez, I think was double A AA and triple A guys. Like they they mix it up. They don't like Mackenzie Gore isn't seeing guys you know in double A. He's seen. Um, level appropriate, I would think, guys, to kind of see where they where they fit. And that I found very fascinating was when they had the inter-squad games, you had double-A playing triple-A. You had A-ball playing A-advanced. And players weren't, it wasn't specific, perfectly specific because like Nick Dwight's pitched in the triple-A game and he played in A-ball last year. So mm-hmm. it, it was interesting that they had some people here, you know, to push him to find him where they are. It's evaluating. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. And they're, it seemed like they had the pitchers playing up a level for yeah. the most part. Um, so push them, make them face more advanced competition. Yeah. So, yeah, to be able to watch Mackenzie Gore pitch an inning and then walk 100 feet that way and you're watching Adrian Morahone and then when he's done, you go across the field and you got Michelle Baez 
And then the guys that they were going up against, it's not like they just got a bunch of ragtag people. I mean, you're watching Xavier Edwards and Tucapita Marcano and Hudson Potts and, and all of these top guys. Yeah. Going against our top pitching. Yeah. And our top pitching, making them look like chump. <laughs> and then meanwhile, there's like 30 people standing around watching. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cool thing was like, I'm like, oh, that's AJ. Like I'm standing right next to AJ Preller. Like, and I, I, that final, the first, last day I wanted to go, okay, I'm going to go say hi and just shake his hand. Uh, I never got a chance to because he wasn't there that last day. But you stand right next to that guy. You Sam Gini. Right, Sam Gini. The like 5.5 guys were talking to Logan White. Yeah. And I, God, I want to talk to Logan White. Chris Kemp, the international uh, director, was sitting in a you know sitting in a cart, and they're just sitting around watching the game. Um, you got a bunch of scouts right behind home plate. You got guys with guns and charts, and they're charting every pitch. Yeah. Um, you've got people from other organizations. You've got media people hanging out, and you have other ball players that they're not pitching in that game, so they've got a little bit of free time, and they're hanging out watching the game too. Yeah, and they're fooling around. There's a bunch of time fooling. It's serious, but they're like. You know, just they have nothing to do, so they're yeah. telling jokes and cracking wise. Um, and so the one B game I saw, you know, or even even all the games, you w- walk out and Kevin Acey's walking around, Dennis Lynn's walking around, um, you know, other 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 writers and media types are just well, Lance, walking around. Lance Brozdowski was down there. Lance Brozdowski was all over that place, and um, it's just it's a relaxed atmosphere, and you get to watch these guys play. Uh, watching Luis Patino. So to go back to that day, the next day I talked to James from EVT News. Mm-hmm. Had an incredibly had a solid, just conversation with him during the B game. And I really enjoyed that because I want to learn from him how he's done and what he does to get to talk to guys, to get people to open up, to, to just how it works. Because I want to do this again. Well, we um, had a chance to ask uh, Dennis Lynn that too. Oh, absolutely. When we were sitting there, kind of waiting for somebody to talk to, and it's like, okay, what do we do? How do we go about this? And Dennis was standing there, and you called him, "Hey, Dennis, what do we? Yeah, is, is this okay? Is this what we're supposed to do?" And he's, "Yeah, well, you know, if you catch him at this moment, they might be more willing to talk." And that's that was very helpful. So you mentioned the B game. Yeah. So that was on a day when the Padres were playing Black Sox. White Sox. Yeah, they, they played the White Sox. Yeah, there was a game that was scheduled to be played. I want to say that was the day that the Maryvale game was happening. Yeah. But then we get there at 11 o'clock, and we find at 11 o'clock there's going to be a B game on field six, and it's against the White Sox. And it's, okay, you think it may be minor league guys. No, Irvin Santana started that game. Yeah. And a couple of their top prospects, but a bunch of their major leaguers. Yeah. Joey Joe- Lucchese started. And they had... Um, they had uh, Manny Machado batting second every inning, every inning to get him his reps. Yeah. And so Irvin Santana's pitching Hudson Potts was in the game and he, he took Irvin Santana, a major league veteran deep okay. and it was into the wind. Okay. It, it was so that at bat first two changeups strike one strike two. Oh, two. And he took on those pitches too. He, didn't he? he took on those pitches. Third pitch. Crush. I got it on video. I put it out there on Twitter. He crushed that pitch, and it, it's great being so close to the to the organization guys because you hear them like cheer these guys on. They're uh, you know they're very big league. You know they're not going like woohoo. They're like going, you know when you see Chris Kemp go nice when Mejia threw out the guy at first. Yeah, Kemp was like at a boy. I can't remember what he called him at a boy, and you're like it's, you love seeing that. You love hearing that. 
uh, you know, with AJ and his nephews running around, you know, farting around with him and he's just hanging out doing whatever. Um, so one thing I found interesting about that game was behind home plate, there was a screen. There was like a, a fence screen, like a batting practice screen. Yeah. And three guys were sitting behind that screen. I think it was Andy Green, Rod Barajas and somebody else. And they were like, they had their chance to sit up close and really watch what's going on. Yeah. That's a little upper. It was a little uh, like raised little area. No, I'm talking right behind home plate. Okay. Like inside on the field of play. All right. I, like I they were like 10 feet behind home plate. And I think they had two umpires working that game. Okay, I wasn't paying that close attention. Yeah, they were sitting right there on the field in in chairs, but behind this little screen, Ugh. so they could watch everything. And it's it's it was weird because it, everybody was taking it really seriously, like it was an actual game situation. Yeah. But then at the same time, it it's not, and there's rules that didn't really apply. Right. The day before, I saw the Padres big leaguers doing kind of an intra squad simulated game thing, and I found it interesting that when we when we walked over to that field. Uh, I saw Joey Luke, yeah, Joey Lucchese running from first to second. I thought, oh, that's interesting that he's on base. You know, I don't think pitchers are hitting yet. Well, it turned out that they were starting every inning with a runner at first. Okay. And they had the pitchers out there. So then the next inning, Chris Paddock was at first base. And so then they get their practice base running in real game situations. Because you can go through the drills all you want. Right. You're on second. The ball's hit in front of you. The ball's hit behind you. There's a runner on first. What do you do? But when you're in an actual game situation, that's when you've got to think and react. Well, hopefully you're not thinking. Hopefully you're just reacting and right. you've got the instincts ingrained because you put in all that work on the backfields. Yeah. And then uh, some of the uh, some of the inner squad games, like there'd be a guy get a hit and then they'd walk off the field. Like there was a pitch limit made there or there was some decision made there. Um that wasn't even during the inter-squad game. That was against the Mariners where they're like, okay, they just stopped. They just, okay, they changed sides. So there is that controlled sense of play. And once again, these are all, they're, everyone's evaluating. It's spring to you're trying when out for the team. Somebody hit a home run and they didn't run it all the way out. Right. Oh, that's right. Paddock was on first base. So somebody hit a home run. He came all the way around. I want to say it was Renfro that, that hit the bomb and Renfro like rounded second and then just ran to the dugout. Like, doesn't matter. You right. don't have to, I mean, we're not counting runs here, but it's not counting. <laughs> it was just, but there's, there's drills and there's bullpens and there's all kinds of stuff going on, but you can stand right there and watch it happen. Yeah. And there's not that many people around and it's, it's free and it's free. Yeah. You've got the autograph hounds and you've got kids that are, I mean, you got kids out there playing catch Yeah, and they're 20 feet away from where somebody's hitting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool. It's a real good time. So, uh, yeah, so so we uh, dropped. So the great thing about what we did was our first time in there was show up. Uh, James showed us. You weren't there with me, but I came in with James. James uh, James Clark from EVT uh, showed up at the same time I was walking up. So Vera dropped him off, and I'm like, "Hey, nice shirt. Is this nice EVT shirt?" And he walked me in. He introduced me to Kim. This is Donovan. Okay, so I got my credentials, and he's like, "I'll I'll just show him." And he walked in there and introduced me to JP, showed me the media room, and went about his business. And then JP goes, okay, media room's yours. You can go here. Walked down the hall, pointed down that way, which was obviously like, he's like, that's off limits. Minor league and major league um, clubhouses are off limits. Later on in that w the weekend, I took a wrong turn. I didn't end up in the clubhouse, but I think I ended up really close to the gym. Yeah, I think I walked down that hallway once. And it was like, oh, 
up. Whoops. Uh, you don't look like you know what you're doing. Just act like you know what you're doing. Yeah, act like you belong here. Um, and, you know, but you look down in the media room like, oh, hey, here's Scanlon, Bob Scanlon in, in the uh, small media office. And then there's, you know, AC, there's Dennis Lynn, there's some other guy that I don't know who he was. Um, all the writers that you read mm-hmm. in their workroom. Yep. And uh, I mentioned this on the last episode. Like, I'm a spaz. You guys, you know this. I'm I'm, I'm loud. You're a bull in a china shop. I'm yeah. just a bull in a china shop. And But I was acutely aware of, like, this is the time, Donovan, where you just act. You just do what they do. And mm-hmm. that was be quiet. Yep. You give somebody a head nod and yeah, let was, them go about their business. That was pretty much it. Hey, yeah. hey Lance, how you doing? Good. Yeah. I, mean, I okay. saw Wayne Partello in with this with the media relations guy said yeah. hi to, to him yeah so i tried to every day i tried to make my rounds just kind of duck my head in in those rooms and let jp know that i was there yeah. so if there was anybody anything that he had that he could line up for us he knew that i was around but i didn't want to interrupt anybody's i mean they're all there to do a job so i didn't want right. to interrupt what they had going on so so two or three days later into this thing i realized how much jp did like that first day with interviews was he said, come here 11, 11.30, and we'll see what we can do. Well, the game started at 11. Yeah. That guy so, was all over the place. And he's running all over. I go back at like 11.30. We both go back to so go back. And, you know, then he's like, hey, okay, I'm going to get you some guys. Um, here's Reggie Lawson. But that was after after we taped our little interview uh, you'd already kind of took off. Yeah, and I had to waited. go. We already had tickets for the game and surprise, so I had to miss out on on all of that. So I waited forty five minutes for that, mm-hmm. and then, you know, then later on, he's like, "You get, I'll see if I can get someone." Xavier Edwards came out. You know, he brought those guys out. He didn't have to do that. What he did later on is like, okay, when you find the guys, you can ask them. You can. Yeah. And we talked about this last time. It's yeah. You, you can ask those guys if you want them to talk to you. Well, and now we know. I think we were kind of figuring that out the last yeah. day that, you know, like, we caught Nate Easley watching from A to B. And, hey, can we talk to you a little bit later? And we we wound up, we didn't record that afternoon. But I think that's what we need to do is plant the seed with a bunch of guys that, hey, we're going to be over here. So if you have a minute, come on out and talk to us. Right. And then have them come to us. Hopefully that works. But I, I think that's the least intrusive way of going about it. Yeah, or when they're walking back, you walk back with a group of the guys, mm-hmm. and you see Nam, you want to talk to, hey, you know, um, you want to come talk on the podcast for a few minutes? Yeah. Which, but we met, we met a bunch of other people. Oh, my God. That, we met a ton of people. So, I mean, Lance Brozdowski, we've interviewed him twice, yeah. but I was happy to meet him. Yeah. Very, very tall. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very tall. He's a tall drink thin, of water. Good-looking guy. Super um, nice. Yeah. Very accommodating. Really nice. Um, and then Dennis Lynn, mm-hmm. like we said, we sat there and, you know, hey, so you want to come on the podcast? Like, yeah. He's like, he's like, hey, you guys put out good content. I'm like, well, what? Say that into the microphone? And he's sitting there <laughs> microphones on. But like, I didn't realize the impact or I didn't realize how much we were known. And well, I got and- to horn there. Like, well, what really picked, picked that up for me was Sunday. When we were watching Anderson Espinosa's game yeah. and Blake Hunt was catching Anderson earlier in the week when I was sitting at the picnic bench waiting for somebody, Blake Hunt went walking by. And so I just wanted to go out. I wanted to shake the hands of whoever we've talked to. Yeah. And so I said hi to him and he stopped what he was doing. He would have stood there and talked to me for half an hour if I wanted to. And he is such a nice, personable guy. Um, but yeah, so I said hi to him. But then Sunday morning, you happened to meet his father. 
You introduced me to his dad. What, was that it? <laughs> yeah. I, how did I know that that was... I don't know, but you're like, Donald, come over, come over. I'm like, who's this guy? He's like, hey. Maybe, maybe Angela broached the subject or something, but Blake Hunt's father was there, and he was impressed by the interview that we did with Blake. I mean, I'm impressed by the interview because Blake is just a very bright very intellectual guy and such an easy interview. Absolutely. Um, I learned so much from that, but he was impressed by our interview so much so that he had Riley Westman, the catching, uh, the catching coordinator, roving instructor, whatever his title is, had him listen to it. And so it's like people within the organization have listened to our interview. It's like, that's, that's cool. I mean, I'm a little fanboy kind of thing going on <laughs> a little but, bit and not to our own horn, but, but because we're just doing this. Yeah. But it was it was cool to have Dennis go like yeah you guys put out good content Mackenzie Gore like yeah I saw you guys on Twitter I like wow okay cool yeah um and then so so Dennis is going to be coming on um you know Will and Boar from MILB Pipeline uh, he's going to come on later on you know we have a little bit of his interview in the past episode uh, Sam Gini. Sam Gini is going to come on the on the podcast it's probably going to be a couple months from now we need to let the minor league schedule kind of settle in a little bit because he's going to be busy. I mean, he's busy 12 months a year, but I'm sure this next month or two, he's slammed. Which if you ever see Sam Guinea, he looks like a golfer. He wears golf. He loves to golf. Oh yeah. So you, you know, like that's not what the direct, you know, usually the the director of player development, I think would be in another kind of gear, Uh but he's like in his golf pants and a golf shirt. And he like, he like, he, she can go play nine right there. Did, did we tell you about the, I think we told you about running into the, um, the uh, Adelaide Bite people, right? Oh, yeah. So Angela and I were walking from the big league side to the minor league side, and this cart comes rolling out, and we see Sam in there, and he's giving this lady a ride, and there's all these guys, and there wasn't room on the cart for all the guys, and so he's driving real slow, and they're all chit-chatting, and we're walking behind him. Then the cart stops, and we walk around, and the guys are all wearing Adelaide Bite gear. And from the ABL, from you guys. From Australia, Australian the Australian league. Winter League. And so Angela has an Adelaide Bite hat, and we have a friend that lives in Australia. Um, Aussie Fryer? No. Oh, my gosh. I'm blanking on his name. Okay, we're blanking. Oh, now I feel like a jerk because Ante. Ante Playick is the guy's name. Um, and I, I don't know how Angela has met him, but they're good friends, and he lives in Adelaide. So he sent Angela an Adelaide Bite hat. So they talked about that for a minute. Well, Michael Geddes went and played in Adelaide last winter. And so then we're chit-chatting, and they're like, and the Adelaide guys are asking us, hey, well, who are some good players? We need a third baseman. We need a reliever. Who do you want to send down? And Angela and I are actually pulling some names out about who should go. And then Sam Guinea's like, oh, you guys know something, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we pay attention. <laughs> the minor league, there's a lot of good stuff going on. So I saw them talking to guys at the that one field where they all dance. I walked away. I missed the dance. Oh, my God. That was the best. Okay, so me and Angela, we walk over to one of the fields, and guys are in the cage taking, taking batting practice, but then Tony Tarasco and Coach Hung are hitting grounders to the guys at second base, and there's this Mexican music that comes on. And we look out, and the guys at second base are, like, jumping back and forth. There's three guys, and they're, like, dancing ding, in between ding, ding, playing, ding, ding, between ding, catching, ding, 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 fielding ding, grounders. And Hong is, is like, soft toss up to Tarasco, and Tarasco's just roping it at these guys and, like, hitting a hot liner. And somebody jumps up and snags. Everybody hollers out. And then Tirso Ornelas was, in the bat, was, like, behind the batting cage. Yeah. And then he takes the bat, and he's holding it like a guitar, and he spins around, and he's dancing. And then we look over, and there's Tarasco and Coach Hong, and they're up dancing. 
Oh my god, it was it was so cool. You guys got that on video. I walked away from that because I remember hearing that song. I'm like, that's kind of a groovy tune. Um, so right in the middle of all the four, right in the middle of all the fields, there is like a sniper's nest. It's it's a big giant like tower where where I would suspect most of the coordinators sit up there and they can see all the four fields, but they're blasting music. Yeah, there's a bathroom in the bottom of it. I don't know what's in it. It's a bathroom that only the players use. Yeah. And yeah, they've got music going all the time and it's all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. It's old classic rock, it's yeah. hip hop, it's country, it's the Latin, you know, like the <laughs> reggaeton, but also like the Norteño music, which is what we heard. And so it's, I love watching the guys have fun, yeah. talking some smack, yeah. Um, yeah, egging each other on. It's it's a very organic, natural kind of a kind of a thing. Absolutely. So to go back to your um, Adelaide bite, so I saw those guys at that field that they were doing that. I'm like, oh wow, those Adelaide bite guys, Liddy. And he's like, what's that? I'm like that's the ABL guys. So later on, I was in the clubhouse area, or back in the complex, and they were standing out in the front. And I'm like, hey, Adelaide bite, Donovan Jones fires on the farm. I I've followed you guys the past. I've followed the ABL the past two seasons. Like, I was working nights. I'd get up at 10 o'clock, 10.30, come home, and the games would be on. And I'd be able to watch you guys. Like, oh, yeah. And I remembered that Sam, I couldn't remember if the guy had an accent. I don't think the guy, one of the guys had an accent. And Sam Guinea, if you remember, during the social summit, he was asked about the Australian Baseball League. And he's like, one of our old coaches for the Gilsonor is now a coach for the Adelaide Bite. Oh, so that might have been the guy. So that might have been the guy. Okay. And... Um, I wonder if that's the time where they kind of get an idea who they want to take to their, you know, maybe in the first feelers of like, hey, who do you guys, who do you guys thinking? Because I saw him look at Tukapita and shake his hand. Um, you know, Gabriel Ayers was over there. He shook those guys' hands because he was in the ABL. Um, yeah, the year before last, yeah. I thought that was a real treat to see those guys. And I, I, I'm going to tag them on this interview, uh, on this episode just because, it, you know, in the winter – that winter league gets me through the winter league, <laughs> you know, and you get to watch some of our players play. Um, but just the, so uh, Michael Geddes was down there last winter, and we've talked about getting the 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 Australian league bump or whatever it is because Buddy Reed went down there, straightened some things out, and came back looking good. Really good. Well, Michael Geddes, he's been playing with the big league team the last few days, and all of a sudden he's looking pretty good. Yeah. And in the field, he's always had the speed. He's done. He's pretty good at reading fly balls. He takes good routes. You saw he's got cannon, a cannon he... arm. I mean, that's like almost Hunter Renfro level arm that he's got. Yeah. Uh, and he's got the power at the plate, but he's been hitting in the limited opportunities he's had. Yeah. So maybe the maybe he was able to unlock something that's going to turn him from the toolsy athlete that can't quite put it together into a baseball player who has a legitimate future to stay with the organization. Absolutely. Because they left him exposed in the Rule 5 draft and nobody took him. Yeah. Well, because he because of, the, because of the bat. And, yeah. And that's what I... And here's the thing about the minor leagues is, like, it's so... Like, one year you can have a crappy year. The next year, it all clicks. It it just... And, and it, it's just... Develop, it's a developmental league. You know, we hear these names, you're like, oh, he's going to be really good. Well, he's going to be, he could be good because he has all these tools, but you have to put all those things together and it has to work. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things I love about the minor leagues is like, like Gabriel Arias came back this year and Lance Brozdowski had that solid tweet with video footage of the change in his swing. Yes, that and was he interesting. Is smoking the ball. Yeah, that there's a different, there's a two strike approach now. He's cleaned up his mechanics a little bit, so there's a little bit less preload movement. 
Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people in the organization and outside evaluators are saying he's got a better glove than Fernando. And I know you just paused with that, but I've heard that more than one time. And it's not just, you know, it's not just a value. It's not just like your fantasy guys. It's guys that I've, I've read. They're like, he's got a better glove than Fernando Tatis Jr. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that. And I guess that's kind of been the thought. Well, before this year, the idea was, okay, Tatis will come up. He'll play shortstop for a couple of years and then Arias will come and, and Tatis will move over to third. third. Well, now who knows how that's going to work out? I mean, let's not try to <laughs> piece together the puzzle for 2022, but yeah, the, the glove has never been in doubt for Arias. He's got the range, the athleticism, the arm. Um, it sounds like all around, he's a better fielder than Tatis. It's yeah. just the glove needs to, to catch up or the, the bat, bat needs to catch, catch up. up the glove. But they have the dreads. Yes, they ha- they have kind of matching dreads. Dude, the dreads are sweet. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting that Tatis would start the game, and then, um, and then uh, Arias would come in and relieve him. You like in the big league games, and you're like, you're like he looks that, but that's not Fernando. That oh, that's Gabriel Arias. All right, yeah. it's the dreads. It's the blonde dreads. Um, during the big league games, I was having. A lot of Angela and I were having fun when the minor leaguers would come out, and then it's like, oh, there's Tucupita Marcano, there's uh, Renato Ilaraza, there's oh, Ty Francis in at third base. Who's that out in out? Oh, that's Jason Rosario. Yeah. And the guys sitting behind us going, wait, are, what are we doing here? <laughs> who, are, who are these guys? I don't know these guys. Like, well, we do. This but we're more we're... excited to see them right. than we were to see the starters. I'm I'm in the game from the seventh to the ninth inning. Yeah. I caught Jackson Winsky's down the shot double. And, I, and tweeted that out to his mom, and I couldn't have, I couldn't remember uh, Heidi's Twitter uh, handle, but I tweeted out to his mom, and she's like, "On the day after I left, I'm like, I got, <laughs> I got it for you." I called Robbie Podorsky stolen base. Yeah, he got a single, and Angela's sitting there, and I go, "This is the fastest guy in the organization. Yeah. He's going to steal a base right here." First pitch, he was gone, <laughs> and then right after that, somebody hit a single into the outfield, and like before. I'm I'm thinking he's probably rounding third. Is he going to go as I turn around and he's already halfway home? Yeah. I mean, the guy's just a burner, you know. And uh, and that's where like Owen Miller has been playing with the major league club throughout the whole throughout the whole. He's a starter. Um, yeah, he started a couple games. That bat, I I've, I've I've been really impressed with him. Incredibly impressed. But to, to go back to the backfields for a minute, um, Angel Solarte. Yeah. I caught his batting practice, and I'm like, oh, you know, the name Salarte, we've probably talked to him about him during the season, but we talk about so many guys when it comes to the um, affiliate wrap-up that you forget. Then I'm like, oh, Salarte, oh, let's take, oh, damn, he looks good. And then I caught a couple of the inter-squad games, like, damn, he looks, you know, he looks really good. Really surprised me. Um, and then one of the coaches, I don't know his name, one of the taller guys uh, with a beard, um, I said, you know, it's kind of, towards him as he walked by me he's like i really like that salarte kid he's like oh he's gonna be a star um there was somebody that stood out to me i was watching when we were watching the guys fielding grounders at second base there was a guy standing at third base that looked real fluid and he was just snagging balls as they were coming by tall skin tall skinny um dark skin dude luis number 11 on his back his name is carlos luis i guess he's a first baseman he's he played in the dsl last year and then after I saw that, somebody tweeted out something about, oh, yeah, Carlos Luis is in batting practice. and he's he, So I guess he's a guy to watch. I, and that's the cool thing that you there's somebody you've never heard of. And you go, oh, who's that guy? And next thing you know, they become somebody. And it's, you know, and it's funny because we, we, okay, gang, we've all year we're following every affiliate. We're hearing all these names. 
Um, my first 10 minutes on the backfield is like, don't recognize that name. Don't recognize that name. Ooh, Basby. Oh, Basby. I remember that name. Don't recognize that guy. Like, there's so many guys that are in the complex that are up here from the DSL, um, or yeah, the, from the Dominican Academy, uh, that we have no idea. So they constantly talk about the waves of talent. And these guys are 18, 19. You know, we're lucky that someone like Fernando Tatis Jr. has came up and Luis Urias has come up at 19 and 20 that are major league ready. These but that's unusual. Unusual. And, but, you know, as a guy that's been following the system, is like, yeah, everyone's going to come up at 19 and 20 years old. These guys are going to come up at 20, 21, are going to be incredible players. So the waves of talent are down there that guys we haven't even seen before that are on their way up. Um, but it's just that that's, that's the, that's the, that's the beauty of the backfields. That's the beauty. Of, that's, that's the beauty of the backfields. I wanted to, um, we have both wanted to talk about, so, um, Emily Walden showed up for the, this is her first time in the Cactus League. Mm-hmm. And Emily Walden was a big fan and big proponent of Luis Patino. Well, that's because she covers, she's based in the Midwest yeah. and she covers the Tigers minor league organization, but she's also shed some spotlight on Padres minor leaguers. Yeah. And she, I, I guess she's got a thing for Padres. Midwest league guys. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because she tweeted out some stuff. We retweeted it and uh, she's, so I met her. So I met her back in the, in the press room and she's like the Padres fan, Padres Twitter, she said, has, has they embraced me faster than any other organization has embraced me. I'm like, well, because we're desperate for attention and B, you're really good. Yeah. Like, and she's really good. She is. Um, and so she, so the Friday before we left out, I had this shirt made with, uh, with Luis Patino on there. It says my ace, little hearts on it. And I, and I've sent that picture to uh, Luis Patino via Instagram saying, Hey, Friday's uh, Emily Walden's birthday. I got the shirt for her. And, like later, he's like, oh, that's great. Awesome. So Friday, and that was a few days before. It was Wednesday of the week. Friday, he tweets out this little video to her. And I don't know if you guys saw it. I don't know if you guys care. I don't know if you're a sentimental like me. I saw that, and I was like, oh, my God, I love that kid. I want to adopt him. And, like, I, incredible. Well, it's, Emily was really, in, to my knowledge, she was the first person to write an article kind of putting the spotlight on on him. Yeah. Kind of saying that this guy is talented. He's going to be something. And so he's so grateful for what she did for him by opening, kind of opening people's eyes to him that he put out this article saying thank you so much and a happy birthday thing. But it's a very heartfelt thing. And it's... And if and I t- I retweeted it's like if you don't already love this kid yeah. you're gonna love him you need to watch this because yeah you need to be paying more attention yeah and not only is he a phenomenal athlete but you know he cares and, that, a, and that shows yeah, he's a good human being um but she she was on her flight back here and she's like oh I, I saw that and I cried at the airport I watched it later on and I cried again and like that's all I mean that just makes all the hard work because she's twiddling in the Detroit. Tiger system. And she told me this is like, it's kind of stunk. Well, and being a female sports writer in a male dominated business, there was, there was an article she wrote a while ago about that, about what she's had to do to get to where she is. I have so much respect for what she does. And like you said, she's damn good at what she does. Yeah. Well, in any of the women that are are starting to bubble up in, in the minor leagues, in MILB, you know, Katie Wu, um, all, all the, 
They're the writers that are writing for uh, All Heels on Deck. Um, it's a male-dominated society, and you see it on Twitter all the time. What do you know? You're a girl. Dude, my wife knows more about baseball than a lot of guys on Twitter, and um, they're not taken seriously. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to get to was— but, but Before we get yeah. too far from that, Go I ahead. want to give a shout-out to Tara Dreyer, who is somebody that I followed on Twitter for a while. Okay. And her dad was a scout, a, a career minor league scout. And so she's been all over the place. She's based out of Austin, Texas, and Angela and her have interacted a lot. Um, so we finally got to meet her face to face. So she lives in Austin. She'll drive all the way up to Amarillo at some point this year to yeah. cover a game. Um, so she's a writer, but she's young. I guess she's in her like late twenties, maybe early thirties. Um, but real sweet gal. And you you look and here's this pretty little thing. And I'm sure people look right past her, but. Yeah. She's she was raised around baseball. Her dad was a scout. She spent more time in locker rooms by the time she was ten than most right. of these journalists probably. I mean, you, yeah, she's forgot more about baseball than we'll ever know. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it just by looking at her. And I think a lot of people dismiss women for that. Yeah, another one, uh, Bridget Mulhaney, uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk to. We're gonna have her oh, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, she was invited this last year uh, during the winter meetings. To talk about evaluation, she's going to be an evaluator. Oh wow! Um, and it's another thing. It's another woman that's getting in a in a in a business that was predominantly it's like baseball's old old school. Yeah, you know, I read a story a while ago, and I don't remember who the author was, but it was a woman who had become a scout for the, in the Blue Jays organization, and the story was about her experiences at scout school. So there's a centralized school where teams all teams send their their new hires that are new into scouting like here's how you scout this is what you're looking for this is how we evaluate these are the terms we use and all of that and i mean the it was almost like she was being hazed the way that she was excluded from everything and finally there were a couple of people that kind of said hey you know let me show you because she was struggling she was having a hard time she's like there's stuff that she's just not seeing and she thought there was something wrong with her. Maybe she's not cut off for it. No, everybody's struggling. We're all here to learn this. Right. It's just most of the guys here hide it. They hold Better. it inside. And she's on the verge of a breakdown because it's just not coming through for her. But it, 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 listening to those struggles and then the insecurities that go along with it, she's dealing with so much more than the guy that she's sitting yeah. next to just because she's a woman. You know, my... Uh... God, we've got it off topic, but I love this topic. <laughs> you know, well, it, it, it's it's true. My wife says women have to work twice as hard in anything they do. I believe it. And uh, and I mean, I'm an engineer, and I'm in a male-dominated industry, and I'm sure people look down at women like there's right. just there's a capacity that they don't have that men have because they're superior, which is bullshit. It's been proven over and over, but yet there's still this this belief that people have for some reason. Right. Oh, you're a girl, you can't play. Or, oh, you're a girl, you don't know anything. So I see something in your notes here. You say she will be a future guest? Yes. So you spoke to her and you uh, asked her if she would come on our show at some point? Oh, Emily? Yeah. I was, yes. That's um, awesome. I wanted to get to talk to her actually during that weekend. But, you know, and I had this romantic, oh, like she'll, there's plenty of time. Yeah. Um, She's a busy lady. Well, I was a busy guy. Like I'm like, oh, where are I going to find time? We're not going to find time, um, but she's going to be a future guest. I certainly glad that we didn't talk to her then because since her articles came out from the athletic, um, it is absolutely blown up. Oh yeah. Starting with um, 
the Blue Jays making a uh, making a change in their minor league pay to now the 20, 2020 uh, minor league major league agreement. Major League Baseball that came out today. I think Jeff Passan from uh, ESPN. So let let's we're getting we're way going, yeah. So let's Emily's article. She okay. So a year ago, I saw Ian Osiris wrote the article with Eric Sim where he opened up his checkbook and said, "This is what it's like to live a summer as a player in low A. This is what I make. This is what I spend. This is what I have left. This is how I live." And I think that article opened people's eyes a lot to, holy cow, there's a problem. And then last spring, there was legislation that passed through Congress that basically allowed Major League Baseball to pay their players Major League, um, the minimum, minimum um, what's the word, minimum wage for a 40-hour work week, regardless of how long they work, and only in season, which means that these guys are making 1100 bucks for <laughs> for like three months if they're in short season they're not paid for spring training they're not paid for and this is a subject that we've that i've kind of harped on but then come around to this year and eric sims twitter has blown up and kind of brought some uh, l- levity but there's a lot of light right. on it and then emily came out with this wonderful article where she gathered it 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 felt to me like she gathered information from all these other sources and put it all in one place and added interview snippets that she'd gotten from people that will not speak on the record. You can't. Because if you talk on the record about you this can't. year, it's it's career sabotage. Yeah. Um, so then she released this article. And afterwards, she had players kind of walking up to her going, are, are you the one that wrote that article? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And she tweeted, Under their she breath, tweeted that quietly out. quietly with no one around. Yeah. Because like, it's that serious. If you start complaining. It's a controversial topic. Yeah, absolutely. So then the Blue Jays announced... Yesterday, I think it was yesterday. It was, it was, it's been a few days that they're giving a raise across the board to all of their minor league players. It's between like forty and fifty-six percent, I think, were the numbers I saw. To at every level, there's going to be it's going to be based on merit and level and service time and all this other stuff. But the point is, in season, they're finally making a decent wage. And decent, it's still going to be below the poverty line. It they, will be. It'll still be yeah. below the poverty. Well, line. and they're still only going to be paid for forty hours of work. Right. But for one team to make that change, this is going to open the floodgates. So now other teams are going to have to do the same thing. Um, and I think it's going to eventually spill over to, into other topics like spring training. These guys are down there all month. They're not getting yeah. paid. They're not guaranteed to have a job. It's it's a tough life. And we look at it like it's romantic. You know, they're chasing a dream. But right. no, it's it's hard. And it, when they're done, they don't have any marketable skills. You get your release papers and what? You're not going to go get a skilled job you know and just sitting in the in the backfields there for a moment i heard a coach talking to a player and he i heard the i heard what he said was something like um that i was dumb enough to buy a thousand dollar car like that i bought a thousand dollar car like it, the 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 conversation or the the quote was like like i had to buy a thousand dollar i can afford only a thousand dollar car yeah, and a thousand dollar car, as you know, parents with kids, gets you out a thousand dollars worth of yeah. car. It's you a know? rust bucket that barely runs. It really is a rust bucket that's going to cost you way more to keep it on the road than yeah. it would be. Um, but it was said so. And it was. It shook me. It shocked me on how, like, it was like a joke. You know, it's like, yeah, I bought a thousand dollar car, where the coach was just like, it kind of sucks for you, kind of, uh, you yeah. know. And then, yeah. 
And I'm sure that conversation happens on every organization with with every, not every coach, but it happens 100 times a day with these guys having to live this certain way. Well, and you'll get guys that are pool, they'll pool their money together. Yeah. Five guys will go in on that car. Yeah. And then they're all cramming themselves into that car because they all live in the same two-bedroom apartment. They're cramming themselves into that car to get to and from the ballpark every day. Yeah. And there's, God, if you get a chance, I mean, subscribe to The Athletic, not only for the article, but for the incredible uh, content, not only with Major League Baseball, with all the other uh, sports. Um, we focus, I focus on the Padres and Major League Baseball, but it's, um, but since that article, it's kind of gotten out and there has been lawsuits. Like this isn't like something new. There's lawsuits. There's been there's court like battles. Class action lawsuit. Yeah. There's yeah. been plenty of stuff heading towards that. And there's actually a minor leaguer a couple of years back that wrote a scathing article on the, the life of a minor leaguer. Mm-hmm. Um, but just now having that article come out in the forum that it did. Uh, at the time that it has, has kind of like really opened the eyes where the old veil of Major League Baseball, the way things used to work, going starting with analytics and the new way of looking at the sport is changing. And not only is it changing with the scouting and the analytics and the evaluation of talent and how that's happening, but how these guys are getting paid. It's not romantic to have like four guys sleeping on three air mattresses in a two bed, you know, in one room in a three bedroom apartment. Yeah. Having eight guys, you know, having to pull money together. Um, similar to the article that written, uh, some of the clubbies are like, I know that dude's struggling. So, you know, he, he didn't have the dues this time. I didn't get him. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't bug him for it. Cause he knows. So him. on that topic, Angela and I ran into a few guys that are from the Lake Elsinore Storm Booster Club. And so they've got a a community of people in and around Lake Elsinore that donate on a regular basis to support the players. They're the ones that manage the host families. So the team will come to them and say, hey, we have these players, and they'll you know, connect them up with host families. So then the player has a place to stay for free. They there are guidelines about what they have to have, what kind of facilities, you know, and what what the expectation is of the home. Right. Um, and they have, they have events that go up, but like in the game player hits a home run, these guys will go down and they'll, they call it pass the hat and yeah, they'll pass the, the hat the up down yeah. the rows. And you put a couple bucks in that bucket and that is going to go to that player. And he told us about one guy that at the end of the season, he pulls out all these envelopes. And I, I think this was Kyle blanks that he was talking about yeah. and he'd saved up his money from all of the past the hat things that they'd done for him because he had this big year in, in Lake Elsinore and he had enough money to buy his mom a car. And it was, I mean, I'm not talking about buying a nice car. Right. I'm talking probably Maybe buying like a $5,000 car. Right. car you really? something, you, but it, it's, it's, it makes such a big difference in the, the quality of life that these guys have to be able to have a little bit of spending yeah. cash, yeah. to be able to eat, you're not eating McDonald's and, yeah. and and Chipotle all the time. They can get something decent every once in a while. Yeah. They can actually go out and have a little bit of fun every once. It's, it's a grind. It's absolutely a grind. And you need to have, at a critical time in your life, when you're trying to be an uh, elite athlete and developing, you can't do that on McDonald's. You can't do that on uh, you know, with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich after the game. Yeah. Uh, you have to have nutrition. You have to have that stuff. Um, the article from Jeff Passan that I read today um, talked about that more, not not only just 
the salary, but better facilities at these fields, which means there might be some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, some uh, constriction on some of these older fields that just have no, you know, it's a baseball field and a couple of bleachers. Well, and it's not just the field, because that's another thing we were talking to the Storm um, Booster Club guy. Their locker room, apparently, or the uh, the weight room in the Storm has a bunch of old, outdated equipment, and it's it's just, it needs work. Right. So how much money does it cost to overhaul a weight room that's already there, that already has equipment? What If you put five ten thousand dollars $10,000 into that, that makes a big difference in the ability of the players to be able to train properly. Right. So from a baseball operation standpoint, you'd think that this is a, an easy decision yeah. that I'm going to invest. And now my players are going to be able to get stronger, flexible, all this stuff. But apparently the, the locker room or the weight room is the responsibility of the storm to upgrade. Yeah. And so the storm might choose to take that $10,000 and put that into an upgrade in the bar or replace a section of seats right. because that's going to drive revenue. And that's yeah. what the, the local team is looking at. <clears throat> so there's kind of a conflict of interest in who's responsible for what. So that's where the article that came out in ESPN today that talks about possible changes that MLB is discussing about the parent organization's supplementing the pay or the the local teams contributing it, it, there's kind of a, a a blending of who's responsible for right. paying for what the major league team pays the salaries so it's up to the affiliate and those ownership groups to run the stadium it's there it is a business yeah it is a business so if, yeah but wouldn't you think it would benefit the major league team if the minor league right if the major league i'm trying to find how much Dude, what did Major League Baseball made like three billion dollars last year? Uh huh. And if you just if if you just didn't if you just put a little money into that, like, and they're gonna figure it out in 2020. They're gonna figure it out. A, you get a better product. A, you get um, you get a better a better product. But I mean, you get better players. Mm-hmm. You get uh, you get a healthier. And it's just you, you make things better for them. And and if you look at it now, it is. I looked up the word serfdom, like yeah. being a serf. Yeah. It's like you owe, you pay money, and now that you pay club dues. It's like indebted servitude. It is indebted in, servitude. Inden- indentured servitude, yeah. Yeah. And that I sign a contract, and now you own me for the next six years. Yeah. Or not, or you can leave and go do something else. Yeah. And, and you know, it's... Uh, but, I mean, think about that. You get assigned to another team. You're you're down there in, in, in Tri-Cities, and then... You get promoted. Oh, hey, you're going to Fort Wayne. Cool. All right. I'll go to Fort Wayne. They buy you your plane ticket to get you there. But now you're on your own to figure out where you're going to live. And you got to figure that out real quick. Two, I think three days, the article. They'll put you quotes. up in a hotel for three days. Yeah. And then after that, you better have something figured out. Yeah. So what? You start looking in Craigslist for for apartments that are available. Maybe you've got a booster club in the local area that can help you find that. Right. But for a kid that grew up... These kids have never lived on their own. Well, can you imagine not <laughs> having the language? Could yeah. Can you imagine being a Latin American guy? These, you, you know, just, it's insane. I, the, the funny thing is, though, the, the article goes on. Um, and thank you, Emily, for letting us use the article because I haven't even asked you yet. The host family, the lady, like, she cooked. She had three players in there. And, like, the other players were like, yeah, she, yeah she'll cook dinner. Like she started having like eight guys come over and she's cooking dinner for not only just the three players that she has in her house, but her five other players on the team 
And she noticed, like, that's huge. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but she went into, an, like, a booster thing and created this community where, the, at least for this organization and this town and this team, that there is, uh, there is a network of host families that will do that. Um, I'm not sure how well that's put up in in every organization. I mean, one of the things about me and Liddy, what we want to do as a host family is we want to move somewhere cheaper. Mm-hmm. Lake Elsinore is not cheap. Like Lake Elsinore isn't even in the window of of buying a home and retiring in California. And no, we have to go somewhere like South Carolina, North Carolina, somewhere yeah. in Tennessee, somewhere where we can afford um, a home and live with a lot less debt for sure. lack of a better term sure. um, to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's huge. It, it's just, it, it, it's, so this has gone, it's got the major league, it's got it on the radar. Sorry guys, so I'm another, just kind of losing a, thought Another here. thing losing. that I liked in that article was, so she was talking about how she was feeding all these kids, but then she comes home one day and they're out there mowing the lawn and washing the car and doing all the stuff because they feel like they need to do something to show her the gratitude. And the, the booster club guys were telling me the same kind of thing. So it looks like we've run down the list pretty well here. There's one other thing that came to mind while we were talking, and that's a Dennis Lynn article that came out over the weekend about uh, Nick Margavichus. Yes. So he chronicled Nick's um, his, his adventure really from high school to writer, which is a small D one school, junior college community. I, I, don't know. I think it's a D one or D two school. Okay. And he went to a small school. He got noticed by a cup by this one school and they said, okay, we'll give him an opportunity. And he grew, he, he became the person that he is. Um, but a lot of the stuff in the article speaks to the, the guy that he is, the competitive nature that he has, the drive that he has to get better. And I think that speaks to why he's, he doesn't have the electric fastball and the the filthy breaking stuff. No. But he's got the command and the understanding and the drive to get better, and that's what's gotten him to where he is. It's a fantastic article that I recommend people read. And yeah. I appreciate that The Athletic has given Dennis that ability because he was a good beat reporter. He's a very good re- beat reporter. He's good at yeah. telling the game's story, but this is really where he shines, where he gets to open up somebody's story. The Logan Allen thing about John Cena – that was called, I mean, oh my God, what a wonderful article. That's and that, a great went, article. that went huge. <laughs> yeah, and that's. Uh, yeah. So he does a good job of going and talking to everybody, every chain. Yeah. He went and talked to the coaches at that school, the people that did the video that were putting stuff up on, because they were sending hundreds of emails out to all these different schools. Oh, well, yeah, the Nick, they sent out for like 200, like 130 videos and. If you don't know how that goes, like every college gets all these videos. And one team got back to him. Yeah. That one team. And uh, they became friends with him. And they went for a tryout. And it worked out. And the great thing about that article is, like, after throwing a bullpen, the catcher went up to the coach and goes, this is the best guy on our – this guy is the best pitcher we have. The catcher had to go up. And he this was a tryout mm-hmm. for, for a you know, D1, D2 school. But as it stands right now, we're watching, uh, you know, we're here recording the podcast. Um, they've scored two runs on him. One run in the first, one run in the second. I don't know if they're errors. I don't know anything about that. Well, they're but not, they're not crooked numbers. They're league team there. They're straight, they're straight lines. They're not crooked numbers. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. And this kid pitched one game above A-ball. Yeah. One game. And 
he's not even on the prospect list. He's not. He's not. No one knows who we know who he is, but you know, it's just that's what happens. That's the beauty. That's the romance of Major League Baseball. Yeah, of, he's of, the he's the one guy I wasn't able to to find and say hi to. Yeah, I caught Ty France walking off the field after the last game on Sunday. Oh, you we did? Were sitting right on the on the side, so yeah. he was over and me and Angela waved to him, and he came over to us. I was able to shake his hand. I I never had a chance to say hi to Nick. I didn't see him. I, I didn't see him. He was with the major league club. Yeah. So he's and that what an opportunity for yeah. for that guy. What an experience. You know, huge. it's only going to make him that much more hungry. Yeah. To put in the work to get there. Yeah, that's better than a cup of coffee in September. This is. This is putting your name out there. He's probably going to come back down and either pitch in maybe maybe double A. He might even start in triple A. Yeah. That just goes to show you how much talent we have. He's still with the major league club a week before opening day, and he's probably going to pitch in double A. Yeah. Um, well, God, that's we've been chatting a lot. We really went off the rails on some on some topics that I we that we haven't been able to talk about. And I really love talking about the women. Um and their impact on the game. And me and Emily was so cool. I was a little starstruck. I asked for a hug. Um, I'm not a creeper. I'm like, can I give you a hug? She's like, oh, of course. And I, I gave her the shirt, and she's like, oh, my God, I love the shirt. I'm like. <laughs> so when I saw her, so that was the Saturday game was when I had a chance to meet her. It was the big league game. So our tickets were on right on the field, on uh, way up the third baseline. Okay. And it got hot. So we ran into – we found uh at rocky binkowski his name is band skinny jeans and his so i met up with so many people from twitter that i hadn't had a chance to meet before but anyway um we were we found him and we went up and sat with him and his girlfriend up by the up in front of the um the broadcaster's booth okay where there was shade yes. and i we saw you guys down there we said hi as we walked by well so we're sitting there and i see this tall blonde haired guy and this long dark hair figure who's a little bit shorter than Lance, <laughs> yeah. but I know how tall Lance is. But not so much if she's shorter. like four inches shorter than Lance, then she's still six foot. And so I saw the two of them go sit down. I go, Oh, that's Lance. I bet you that's Emily. So I called you. Yeah, you did. And I said, um, Lance just sat down like four rows behind you. Is that Emily with, with her, with him? And it was. Yeah. So Angela and I went down and we were at least able to say hi and shake her hand. Um, we were going to catch back up with her after the game that wound up not happening. So I, I wish I would have had a chance to had a conversation with her, but like she's super busy. So I'm glad I at least had a chance to, to say hi. And we're definitely, once things settle down and she gets back home, uh, we're going to have her on the podcast and I have a two dozen questions already. <laughs> I'm lined up. sure you do. And we'll, and, and as this unfolds, there's going to be more questions. I wonder if she's gotten any backlash from any of the organizations. I wonder if, um, if there's been, you know, if, I mean, the athletic was brave enough and thank God the athletic is its own entity. But I mean, if the major league team doesn't like what you're writing, they can go like, you're not welcome here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's any of that kind of backlash. I just, I, I've heard that from people that run local blogs that they were told to tone things down or they would lose access. Yeah. And so, and so she's a journalist. This is her livelihood. If she can't have access to interview players and to cover the games, to be in the press box, whatever, that affects her ability to do her job. She actually has a day job. She does? Yeah, she's a, she's a customer service manager. And she, she said this out loud, so I'm not blowing in the cover. She's a customer service manager for Mercedes-Benz back in uh, Grand Rapids. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. So she has a day job. Really? 
and she and she made that much of an impact just being a part time writer. Wow, that's 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 amazing. It's it's incredible, and well, good for her. Woo. And I'm excited to get a chance to talk oh, to her. It's going to be awesome. What a weekend! Huge weekend. I am so excited for this year. Um, I do need to do a couple of things, and it's been a long time. So, uh, for those that listen to the Five Point Five podcast. Um, I was standing right next to Eric when Manny signed autographs for kids for about 15 minutes. And you can't walk through because that part is now you're blocked off. And I couldn't walk through it. So I sat there watching him uh, sign autographs. He walked through the fence into kind of like the the, the pen area. And, uh, you know, and he leaned over. Eric's like, Manny. And he kind of looked back. He's like, thanks for choosing us, man. He's like, yeah, no problem. And uh, so that happened, folks, that, you know, stuck around this long to hear that. Um, I, I hear, I heard, I was listening to the five, five. So then Eric says, he said, now let's go win yeah, some effing yeah. games. Yeah. And then Vanny said, let's effing go. Yeah. I love it. And it's just a great day. It's a great time to be a Padres fan. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to us. We, what do we got? I mean, let's just you know, wrap I, this up. I guess I do have a little bit of personal news. Please. So I've been writing for Gaslamp Ball for the last three years. Yeah. I've been going on that place for the last five years, and they just celebrated their 14th anniversary in existence. It was a Padres blog before there was Twitter, before Facebook existed. There was a Padres blog, and um, a couple of my close friends, one of them, well, I, I can't call them close friends, but I've, they've been a part of my life for several years. Colleagues. You can yeah. call them colleagues. In sure. Blog. So Jody was the site manager, and Richard Darklighter was one of their, the longest tenured writer. And they were both, they were both let go. Um, and it was an impersonal kind of a thing. And you don't just do that to somebody after 10 years. So explain to me real quick, and I'll kind of interview on this, like why were they let go? What happened? Who? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you that the... First things first. Who owns Gaslamp Ball? Okay, so Gaslamp Ball is a part of SB Nation, which is a nationwide network of sports team sites. Okay. So there's one for every major league team, every NFL team. I think they've got all the hockey teams, right. most of the college teams. Um, and then that is owned by a corporation called Vox Media that runs a bunch of other sites, the news and other kind of things. Um, and so a while back there were, there was a dead spin story that came out and it talked about how, how SB nation pays, how they generate content. And it's through people that are almost volunteer writers that get paid a small stipend and the managers get paid a small stipend Yeah, and they're putting, they're generating all this content and it's generating clicks, which is driving ad revenue and all this other stuff. So they kind of went down this rabbit hole and it was kind of an expose and it changed things. But anyway, that's not, I think what happened was this off season we've had content, but we haven't had a ton of it. Right. And so I, I, if they, if, if management had an issue with what was going on at the site at a lack of content or the quality or whatever, they could have spoken to Jody and said, Hey, we're not happy. Can you pick it up? Pick it up. Or if they wanted to, they could bring somebody else in to manage the site. If they say, you're not doing well enough would you take an assignment as a writer and then we're going to bring somebody else to run the place? Something like that. That didn't happen. It's just one day Jody gets an email saying you're done. We've decided to change directions after 10 years. And then Richard, same kind of a thing. And Richard never wrote in the off season. He does both of them do most of their work in season, right? Pre-game, post-game, game threads, that kind of thing where 
I write year round because I'm talking about minor leaguers and I'm, you know, forecasting what's the roster going to look like. Right. And you something comes up, you write about stuff. it. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of how I how I always operated. So the two of them were let go. Jody's the one that recruited me to join. They're the the long term ties to the origins of the site. It, and it's a whole community that in the in the discussion boards. So if you don't aren't familiar with Gaslamp Ball, there's at the bottom of each article, there's a discussion forum and there's dozens, there's scores of people right. that are regular commenters on there. I tried. So let's talk about this for a few minutes and that's, that's okay. It's, yeah. This is our podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I've tried to do that. I, I recognize Gaston Paul. When I first started getting into Twitter, uh, I went to spring training and like, I was right behind the plate. I tweeted a bunch of videos to Gaston Paul. I thought Gaston Paul was a guy. Uh huh. And like, it was like, that was his name and that was his blog site. Um, turned out it wasn't, and it was whatever it was. Well, it started out as three people, right? And but I, through it, most of it, there were like seven or eight people. And this was like three years ago. This okay. is only this is very recently. Um, and I've tried like you see it on Twitter, like here's the vine for today's game, and you try to go on to that. I had a hard time trying to get to that vine where we can like live message board stuff. I didn't understand what it was. Probably user error. Not the sharpest tool here. Um, well, if you're trying to do it from your phone. The, the mobile interface was bad for a while. Okay. I was doing it from a laptop or from a computer, so it was... A little bit easier. Yeah. A lot more yeah, friendly, yeah. user-friendly. Um, so, but I'd still read the articles. I'd click on an occasional article. Um, not big time, but it's enough. What? Who got a double? Somebody got a double. All right. Okay. <laughs> got runners in first and third. <laughs> Um, look, hold on. let's let's just finish this up real quick, and we'll. Nick just got a double. Oh, Nick Margavich's. Yes. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Pitchers that rake. Pitchers that rake. So, so I started. I I used to just go on the the discussion boards, and then I started writing. They've got a fan post thing on the side where you can write your own article. Anybody can right. go on okay. and post an article. Very and, fan. Yeah, and if the editor fan. likes it, then Run. they can put it up there on the front page. And I did that a handful of times, and then Jody said. I like what you do and you're a little bit different from the people that we have. So would you like to become right for us? I said, absolutely. And she offered me a stipend at first and I said, no, I just want to do it for free because I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to be obligated to write so many piece, pieces right. a week, whatever. Um, after doing that for like a year, she said, come on, just let me pay you. Do what you've been doing. Don't change a thing, but I've got the budget. Let me pay you. So it wasn't much. It was enough to cover the internet bill really. So I've been doing that for the last three years and then Jody just gets shown the door and Richard too. Yeah. And then me and Tim, who's the other guy, SD hat guy who we've been doing the heavy lifting this off season and every off season and throughout the season, it's like somebody drops out and yeah, love Tim. Cause I had a summer where I wasn't working and I wrote a ton for them. Right. And then Tim was the same thing. This last, I think he was still working, but he was putting out a ton of content. But anyway, Tim and I both had the same kind of feeling that Jody's the one that brought us aboard they're the ones that have the connection to the old school thing. And they were just walked out. And this wasn't, this wasn't a friendly kind of a thing. It almost feels like there's some kind of a personal vendetta going on. It's like, you don't treat people like that. Right. So Tim and I both had the same kind of mindset that I want to see what happens, but my heart's just not in it. So today he and I both released our, farewell articles i read both of them and we sent our emails into the manager of the s the baseball sites saying i'm done thank you and that was it so now i that's i'm, I'm a free agent 
<laughs> right. Well, and that's it's interesting because it, it's sad to see that. Is that maybe look? Look, we're a small market team, and there yeah. are a lot of blog sites here in San Diego mm-hmm. uh, that will uh, offer you a space to write your opinion and ideas and articles and whatever. Yes. So there's a lot of competition in a very incredibly small market. And I've had a couple of people that I really respect and appreciate reach out to me and say, "Hey, if you want to, if you want to contribute to what we have, right, you're welcome to." And I. Appreciate that. Absolutely. So, and it's it's a hobby. This isn't something I take right. seriously. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a. <laughs> I, I wasn't it. an English major. I'm an engineer. I've got a day job, but I just I like baseball and I like to read about it and I like to write about it and yeah. people like what I write and that's cool. Yeah, so, and it's fun. Yeah, it's fun and it's a way as a fan to interact with and and give your opinion on on stuff and whatnot. And it's just it's the great thing about being a fan. Yeah. Well, that's sad and um. I don't know what to, you know, so we'll see what happens with the gas lamp ball. And um, I appreciate you writing for them. Uh, I appreciate all the content that I read from them. Uh, we'll see what happens. And, and you know, if like I wasn't a big guy, I don't, I don't I know Jones a little bit. I, I've met her a couple times. In fact, last time I met her was at the social summit. I'm like, hey, I'm Donovan Jones. Mm-hmm. So I'll just shake hands and tell people my name because I'm an idiot. And she's like, yeah, I'm Jones. We've met before. I'm like, okay, I didn't I've, know. I've known her to be shy in those settings. I haven't been around her enough in person for her to open up. Right. Um, but people just love her and they're drawn to her. And she is a sweet, genuine person. So to see her get treated that way, it sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, if they would have given her an opportunity like, hey, if you want to stay a writer and somebody else manage the site, right. who knows? She might have been willing to do that. And then but at least give her the opportunity. At least yeah. give her the but instead to do no. she's out and now me and Tim we're saying F this and Joe Lanick the thin Gwen he's been around longer than anybody and he's an incredible writer with a, 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 I mean he's one of the most talented writers I know professional or otherwise he's out he's done he well, just hasn't said it real quick like three months ago maybe even last season he wrote a whole series of articles chronicling the Padres going to the World Series and winning it yeah up with like, I mean, this is a couple of years ago when Tatis was still in like a ball, um, and Mackenzie Gore was like Mackenzie Gore, you know, was like he had a he had a whole vine of this whole article stream of of stuff for the Padres doing that, and I'm like, God, yeah, that's, yeah well, absolutely. He would put together quizzes. He does things about baseball cards. He does. I mean, it, he's a historian. He really is a Padres historian. Yeah. But he did an article this year that was about how baseball saved my life. And it is one of the most touching, poignant pieces I've read in a long time because he comes from a incredibly rough background yeah. that I, I cannot relate to. Yeah. And baseball has been a constant, a constant thing for him yeah. that has kept him centered and grounded yeah. in times of incredible, I mean, poverty and addiction and all kinds of things that he's gone through. And baseball has been the anchor that he's been able to to remain tied to. And so I, I know that right now he's in a tough spot. Um, he's back in San Diego, but he's definitely in a in a in he's in a pickle. Yeah. And so I, you know, I want what's best for him. And I but I want him to get back to a place where he can write and express himself. I think it was a very healthy thing for him. It's a it's a writing is a cathartic thing. It's there's there's a there's something to that. 
So it's anyway. a way to express ourselves, and it's, it's therapy for some. Yeah. And I'm, you know, through that article, I didn't read, I didn't read all the red parts of it, but it is writing like that. Even if it's about a, a stupid baseball game or a stupid baseball team, it's there's a therapy to it. There's a there's a release of 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 ideas, thoughts, and emotions mm-hmm. that go into that. And absolutely, I you know, it's funny that uh, in knowing some of the circumstances that he's in, um, I've talked to him about past um, my my experiences through uh, some of the things that he's dealt with uh, in recovery. And, you know, I, I want to find him a job. I want to, you know, find him yeah. housing. But I, yeah. I, I, I can't do that. I can only keep my ears open in my, you know, I'm, I can only keep my ears open. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly it's really interesting what's going to happen with, with Gas Lamp Ball, what's going to come from it. Um, and at a particularly key time in the Padres' history. Yeah, and two I weeks it, before opening day, when the team just signed Manny Machado, you got right. the the Major League Baseball's number two prospect about to make his debut. You've got Chris Paddock, who's about to blow the doors off. I mean, there are so many things to be excited for, and to and then you look at the website, and it's just crickets, right? Because everybody is running away when it should be. Oh, another Manny Machado article. Oh, another. Chris Paddock article, four articles in a week or whatever. I just came back from spring training. I could write a half dozen articles about the stuff that I saw this weekend. Yeah. If I really, if I really wanted to, yeah. but right now I don't have the want to because I feel like I just got punched in the gut Yeah. and it sucks. And I, I, I feel worse for Jody and Richard because they've been a part of this for so long and they just had the rug pulled out from under their feet and it just sucks. Well, good luck. Gas lamp ball. Um, or maybe you rest in peace. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and who knows what's <clears throat> going to happen? Somebody's going to come in, and I mean, it's it's part of a as you guys asked, it it's part of a much larger organization. So somebody's going to come in and and run it. They're going to find people to write for it, and best wishes to them. I yeah. hope they find some good people yeah. because I don't want it to become some joke of a of a blog or even a satellite guy. We we want some people from San Diego to yeah. to pick it up to pick up that torch. Yep, and and it's it's like. You don't want bad to happen. You want good to happen. No. So maybe from this transition, someone else steps up. Maybe yeah, some new guys like, you know what? Hey, I have an opportunity where I could do this and they can rise up. Yeah. Well, good for them. But what I'd really like to see is an, some new opportunity for right now. I feel like there's a lot of scatter among the Padres bloggers and podcasters and everybody. It would be cool to find a way to pull a lot of this together. So then you've got like, Sackbunt Dustin has his newsletter. You've got the Kept Faith people. You've got Tim's other adventure, the SD Hat Collectors. Yeah, collectors. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, even like East Village Times and uh, absolutely was it Friars, guys. Friars on Friars on base on base. Yeah, um, you got. Uh, There's a lot of scatter. Yeah, and it would be neat to somehow be able to pull the good people from all of that together into a place where there isn't bickering and argument. People get along and respect each other, which is a lot of what gas lamp ball was. There was a lot, there were inside jokes and stuff, but really everybody was optimistic and supportive. And even if two people wrote an article about the same thing, well, let's just put them both out there yeah. and see what reaction you've got your take on it. <laughs> I've got my take on it. So it, they're valid. So I'm something good will come out of this. Yeah. Gaslamp Ball is going to do whatever it does, right. but there's going to be some something new is going to come up, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's just what and when and how and who, no idea right now. Yeah, well, it's going to have to happen pretty soon. The season opens up in a week. Oh yeah, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. Right. 
I, I was just trying to wrap it up there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's wrap it up. Oh my We've god, been you guys on just long enough. Uh, and and Angela's back home. She's ready for me to be done so we can eat dinner. Yeah, and I was supposed to watch the game with my wife, and it's already in the third inning. Oh, for goodness' sake. We're getting ourselves in trouble. Well, you guys, I really appreciate you guys sticking here this long. This is an incredibly long and very topic uh, episode. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at SD Donovan. And you can find me on Twitter, no longer on Gaslamp Ball, at Zippy underscore TMS. Ooh. Go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.